the one that is all-knowing, the omnipresent, the one that is everywhere, nothing can escape his sight. That almighty God says, such a small speck in the universe, a sparrow, and a swallow, kind of bird called the swift. It's another bird, a small bird. They come not only by themselves, but they come getting ready to bring baby birds into the world. And where? On the altars of the Lord of hosts, this big, mighty king. That's our father. If he cares so much and he loves the birds that he made, in Genesis it says he saw all of creation and he said it's all good. It also said it's very good. Hallelujah. The Lord cares for us. And then the next verse. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Praise is a wonderful thing. The Bible says, praise is calmly for the upright. It's appropriate. It's a quality of those who belong to God. We have the ability to praise God. Now, we also hear birds early in the morning. Sometimes 4, 4.30 in the morning. Maybe even earlier in some locales. You hear them singing. God made them. Early in the morning they're singing to God. All of creation praises God. And what about us? The very people who God made in his own image. He didn't make the birds in his image. He didn't make anything in his image, but he made us in his image. We have the great privilege of opening our mouths and saying, Thank you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. Oh, how beautiful to sit at your feet, Lord, to see your glory. And just as the swallow comes there, the sparrow, to make a nest, God doesn't say, get out of here. You're too small. You are this or that in my creation. He has time for even these creatures. No doubt Abraham Lincoln, the 16th President of the United States, would have read and remembered verses like these. As he was an avid reader of the Bible, in fact, it said that as a child in a poor family, I believe he only had his mother and his grandmother to instruct him, but he would read the scriptures. And he learned to read, and that became a foundation in his life. And said that when he went as president between appointments or running late somewhere, he would still stop to pick up an injured bird, make his driver stop in horse carriage, and this tall president of the United States would stoop down to the ground to pick up an injured bird. The president of the United States, well, that's a good picture. It's a good picture of God loving us so much that we're so important to him that he would stop everything like Jesus did to minister to one Nicodemus. Hallelujah. Even in the night, one Zacchaeus with a whole crowd of people around him, 
he looked up and saw that man who nobody really wanted. God says, I want you. Hallelujah. He was jumping for joy. He could hardly believe it. He came down. And immediately he said, you love me? You love me that much? I've got to change. I'm going to do right by you. And the Lord said, salvation's come to your house. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God is so wonderful. But Abraham Lincoln stooped down and picked up that injured bird. And God, God came. And he says, in my altar, the birds are welcome. That's how tender he is. That really shows that though the Lord be on high, yet hath he respect unto the... Who can finish that sentence for us? Just call it out. The King James Version. Though the Lord be on high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Hallelujah. Praise God, brother. That's exactly right. Lowly. Though the Lord be on high. That's from Psalms 138, verse 6. Has respect unto the meek, the gentle, the person who feels crushed. God says, I love you. You're not forgotten by me. What a consolation. I praise God. I rejoice in God this morning because I know of times in my life when I felt nothing's working, I found great consolation in the one who said, it's okay. I'm with you. Things are going to turn around. Now, a friend can say that to a friend. And what great consolation to have a real friend. When things are going wrong and you have someone, when you feel all alone, someone who really cares about you and that arm comes around the shoulder, consoling and comforting and giving confidence. When we really feel we've lost all hope, we look into the eyes of a friend with the arm around the shoulder, a genuine friend who says, I'm here for you. I'll be with you through this. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Even people who don't know the Lord, they know the inestimable comfort of that. When one feels they've hit rock bottom, nobody cares about me. I'm all alone in this. How much more when the living God does it, as we quoted Romans a few minutes ago, but even that genuine friend with a heart of love cannot really save the situation the way God can. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And in this chapter, in Psalm 84, even the sparrow has found a house where she may lay her young. Where? On your altars. Your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. And for human beings, creating the image of God, his prized possession. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Hallelujah. Someone else please read verses 5 and 6. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. Praise the Lord. 
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we know that word baka means weeping. Weeping. They passed through a valley of tears. God feels great compassion toward us. He says we're important to him. He said it's a blessing to be in his house. They had that temple in Jerusalem. Before that, they had the mobile temple, if you will, the tabernacle. They carried it with them. Now there's no more temple. But there are two things. One is the church of God. The people of God, also called the new temple. The Apostle Peter says, when we come together like this, we are a temple of praise unto God, and His presence is here. That's the second aspect of the temple, importance, significance. The temple is really not a temple unless God's presence is there. God's presence is with the people of God, and it's a good thing to be in His presence. Hallelujah. Someone says, God's always with me, but there's a difference when you are conscious, when you're intentional about talking to him and that presence becomes all the more real. It's not the psychological uh, self-talk and self-manipulation that I want to create a reality that's not there. There are people who can do that, but it's just not real. But this is real. And we tapped into this tremendous reality presence of Almighty God by believing in Him that He is with me and I'm talking to Him and I know my Father hears me and He will talk back to me. He will answer me. Hallelujah. I have His presence. I want to be in His presence. That's what the house symbolizes. But also when we gather together because Jesus said where two or three are gathered together in my name there I am right in the midst of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you feel the Lord's presence this morning? He's with us. He's actually with us. He's hearing us. He's watching us. He's in our midst in a unique way. I believe that with all my heart because God said so. And I also feel him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's a good thing to be in his presence and to praise his name. Now, the strength that comes from God turns our weeping into a resource of life and joy. So we go from strength to strength. Blessed is the man, Psalm 84 verse 5, whose strength is in you. The strength is not in money. Some people accumulate wealth and the more money they have, it's true for a lot of people. The more money they have, the more power they feel they've got. The more value they carry. For other people, it's uh, how many people know my name around the globe. That gives me a sense of worthiness and it gives me strength that I'm important and powerful. For others, it's uh, relationships with other people where they get what they want to get. 
similar to the Greeks and the Romans. The Greeks valued knowledge and wisdom. As the Apostle Paul says, the knowledge and wisdom of this world. The Romans valued glory, power, and wealth. They all came crumbling down. But there's another kingdom that the prophet Daniel saw, and that kingdom is an everlasting kingdom where there's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. There's a contrast. In the midst of the busy world, so many big things happening, God has time for sparrows, and he says, they can make a nest on my altar. It's not talking about sacrifice. Turtle doves for sacrifice, but God's gentle, loving nature. And for the people who know Him, who value His presence and say, I want to be in your presence, Lord. Oh, my Lord, I want to be with you. I want you to be with me. I want to feel your presence, Lord. Everything I do, every calculation and every bill I have to pay and everything I think about, maybe some of you about your pension or your pension to be, or your retirement state, or some transitioning from one job to another, uh, making a physical move from one place to another, traveling, meeting with family, all of these activities that are so important, they are. But most important is having God with me where I am conscious of His presence, and I gain strength moment by moment, just like the branch in John chapter 15, connected to the tree, full of sap, this vitality that flows with nourishing food from the tree to its branches. I'm a recipient of that. There's a continual flow, unbroken communion, a talking with God. I'm in His presence. Hallelujah. I have everything. If we have God, we have everything. But if we don't have Him, we have nothing, even if we have everything, quote-unquote, this world has to offer. So there's that gentleness, tenderness, a place of belonging. God knows me. He cares about me. He will help me, and I get power. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage or sojourning, or going through this world, again, as the Apostle Peter says it, we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. I'm a just a passing through, the song says. This world is not my home. I'm a just a passing through. Where's my home? Where's your home? God's house. Hallelujah. His presence is my dwelling. I dwell under the shadow of his wings. Hallelujah. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you under my presence, basically, gathered you to me as a mother hen would gather its chicks under her wings. God is the ultimate parent. He's the most loving parent. He thinks about us 24-7 and he can't wait for us to be back with him. He is the father 
who has all his children not only under his roof close to him we think about a, a hen the warmth and the closeness the comfort that those chicks feel that they're with mommy bird nothing can shake them oh how sweet it is the Lord Jesus says that's another picture of the kind of warmth and love that he wants to shower upon us nothing can shake us blessed is the man whose strength is in you whose heart is set on pilgrimage Abraham, Isaac and Jacob they kept moving because they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God himself they weren't content in this world neither should we be we should be thankful for every blessing God gives us but we should know and remember remind ourselves this world is not my home one day I'm going to make the transition to a mansion that my father has prepared for me through Jesus and the thought of that the excitement gives us tremendous joy and we derive strength from the one who's on the journey with us notice it says in verse 6 as they pass through the valley of Baca or Baca valley of weeping and all of a sudden a miracle happens the tears are turned into joy they make it a spring it's no longer something that will stagnate and defeat and discourage God takes the memory and it gets overpowered with a life-giving bubbling spring the rain also covers it with pools a joyful reminder of blessing when we were in the life training school a few semesters ago we saw how this region of that fertile crescent going all the way from Mesopotamia in the Far East going all the way up through Syria beyond Israel including Israel all the way down to the Nile River in Africa a region that was called the Fertile Crescent because water was abundant in supply which meant life growing crops having everything it was the center of the cities they would settle near the water God says I'm giving you blessings with the living water they go from strength to strength each one appears before God in Sion or Zion city of God so your number is there you have a registry in heaven your name is there my name is there God has a registry there there are names of the very people who belong to him and he says one day you're going to be home but in the meantime my presence will go with you hallelujah praise God as we finish this psalm quickly someone please read now from verses 8 down to the end verse 12 8 to 12 Psalm 84 8 to 12 Praise God Pastor verses 8 to 12 O Lord God of hosts hear my prayer give ear O God of Jacob O God behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed 
for a day in your course is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Praise God. Praise the Lord. What a comfort. What a delight. What a powerful promise. A bunch of promises here. A number of them. And this psalm, if you have a Bible where you have a little bit of introduction, it'll say the sons of Korah, temple assistants, David himself set up people. He set up so many singers and musicians because he was a man of praise. He said music is given as a gift from God to worship him and honor him and glorify him. And he himself was such a musician and a worshiper way before he became king when nobody was watching. He had his harp and his sheep. He was a worshiper of the Lord. He was singing to God. David was a boy of praise, a youth of praise. That's why no problem really got him down. He kept the presence of God with him. Became so strong that when the trial of his life up to that point came, and facing the literal Goliath, a man that he could not confront. But because God was with him, the mountain came down. Hallelujah. Praise brings the power of God down to where we are. Hallelujah. Praise is the power of heaven. Praise is the power of heaven. Praise is the power that opens the door to the King, the King of all kings. I'd rather be a doorkeeper, gatekeeper. What's the advantage? I'm right with access to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Praise is the power of heaven. Praise is the power of heaven. Oh, praise is the power that opens the door to the king, the king of all kings. That doorkeeper, you can know for sure, he wasn't someone who just hung around saying, grumbling, you know, I have to do this until my nine to five is over. He was longing to be in the courts of the living God. He's a man of praise. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Access to the King of Kings, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The General, the Lord of Heaven's armies. Oh, Lord God of Heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob, reading from the New Living Translation, Psalm 84 and verse 9 now. O God, and before that, there's an interlude, there's a meditation, there's a pause. After saying verses 1 to 8, there's a deep reflection. 
the Jews, you can see them at the Wailing Wall, even today, many of you know that. When they go and they insert pieces of paper with prayers written into the crevices of that wall, ancient wall, a remnant of their ancient glory. They move back and forth. They rock back and forth in contrition and penitence and supplication to God. They have a reverence for the word of God, the Torah. Every word of God is true. How much more we as believers in the new covenant through Jesus' blood. We have an intimate relationship with Jesus, with God, that they don't have. Because we've come to the cross where all of humankind's, mankind's sins have been dealt with. All the troubles, every turmoil, even diseases. By his stripes were healed. He took all the curse of the law upon his body on the cross. He has said, I've taken away every hindrance, every barrier between me and you. Child of my love, come home. The embrace like a mother hen with his chicks. Hallelujah. Oh God, look with favor upon the king, our shield. Show favor to the one you have anointed. I mentioned this verse the other day that we reign as kings, as royalty in life through grace. Grace has been given to us to make us understand the unsearchable riches of Christ that belong to us because of our relationship with him. So this verse not only applies to the king back then, but to each and every one of us. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand one day with you, Lord. Just in your courts. It's better than a thousand. It's better than a thousand. Almost three whole years. One day. Better than a thousand days. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. That statement, of course, is just a, to communicate the word thousand or ten thousand we see in Scripture. Ten thousands upon ten thousands of angels. It means infinite, actually. It means without number. A myriad of angelic hosts in heaven. Untold blessings and riches. One day with you, Lord, is better than a thousand anywhere else. Better than any kind of life or longevity anywhere. What's the use? What is the use of living long? Only to find out that we've come to the end of the road and there's fear. There's no security. Because all the security was in this life. What happens when we come to the end of that? Great fear. But not for the believer in Jesus. It's going to signal the beginning 
of a brand new state of existence where God will give us a place in heaven to live with him forevermore. This man is at the gate. It's better to be with you, Lord. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. What does the sun communicate to us? Tremendous light and glory and warmth. Because of the sun, we have basic life on earth, photosynthesis and all those things, the climate that is suitable for us, for this whole planet. So many things. He is our glory. He's our protection. And he's our shield. He's our defender. It says that the Lord will give grace and glory. Grace. Favor. Be bold. Be strong. For the Lord your God is with you. He's going before you. Glory. Victory. God says favor and victory belongs to the one who will be with me in my house. Hallelujah. Favor and victory. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Like rays of sunshine coming to us. When we feel cold, we're able to go out into the sun or at least stand by a window or a deck door where the rays of the sun are penetrating into the home. The warmth of that sunshine gives me security, gives me the feeling of comfort. God's favor belongs to us. He's a sun and shield. The victory is represented by that shield. He will give glory. Which translates to this. No matter what we have to do, what we're going through, the Lord says, in many different ways, I'm intimately acquainted with every step you take. Oh God. And I'm with you to help you so you don't fall. And the journey is going to be a blessing. The pilgrimage is not just, I can't wait to get out of this life. So many problems. God said, I'll come right in the midst of your problems. Like the fourth man in the fire. Problems won't get to you. When I'm on the scene, you'll have peace. You'll have hope. You have my promise. Notice, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly I mentioned this yesterday after Daniel shared the word that we don't look for position we don't look to give that directionality to placement while we're being blessed by God and trained by him we're walking with him we shouldn't be anxious to say Lord but I want to go there can we go there please would you put me there Lord would you do this and be anxious and ambitious but rather we have this deep abiding peace that my Lord is with me. I don't have to be anxious for anything. He's with me. He'll provide. He knows what's best for me. He has a supreme confidence 
and a peace that comes with it. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good. The word thing is in the italics, meaning it's not there in the original. But it's there to give a, a better understanding, if you will, in the English language, to round out the words there to make it grammatically sensible. In some cases, we really don't need to have it there if you understand what is being said. No good. Nothing that is good will he keep back from those who walk uprightly, walk righteously, and say, Lord, your commandment is life to me. It's not a burden to me, it's life to me. And the more I walk with you, the easier it gets to keep your commandments. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the difference between striving to do God's will in our strength, loving Jesus for who He is, talking to Him, spending time with Him in His Spirit, strengthens us and the life of Christ flows through us and automatically, as we heard from the book of Romans, we begin to fulfill the law of righteousness. We begin to forgive. We begin to love. We begin to have peace and joy. And we have faith that even if things look bleak and everybody's saying, this storm is coming, I know who's in control of the storm and he's my father. He'll protect me. Every promotion, every bit of prosperity, God says, I have it for you. One time, Pastor Kirba mentioned, a number of times I remember, during the service that she saw, by the Holy Spirit, she saw literally the Lord Jesus distributing packages and gifts and she had her eyes closed, she was worshipping, and she saw Jesus come into the church. Literally. And as she was seeing, she was saying, that he's distributing gifts. Open your heart and receive it now. And very specifically, the instructions were given on how to receive those gifts by faith. And a tremendous increase and the life was experienced by those who received that day. Nothing good. God is full of tremendous blessings for his children. He won't withhold anything that's good. Nothing good will he keep back. He won't keep it back. He's a generous father. He's a loving father. For those who walk uprightly, that's the condition. We need to be with the Lord. We need to know what he says. We need to know... What he's commanded us. We need to be in the word. We need to love him for who he is. O Lord of hosts. Blessed is the man. Who trusts in you. Hallelujah. Praise be to the living God. We have a confidence with God. The God who. The sons of Korah. Are talking about. These people who are assistants in the temple, there are a large number of people working in the temple. David assigned them all under the leading of the Holy Spirit. Tremendous praise going up to God. The God who that Psalm 84 is speaking of is the same God, if you would turn quickly to John chapter 8 for a few minutes, it's Jesus. The one whose altars we've come to, the one whose courts we've come to is the living God, God the Son, Jesus Christ.
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. John 8.31 So how do I get the blessings from God? I have to be with them, but is it something metaphorical? Is this something that I have to envision with my imagination? That I know God is there, I can't see him, but I have to just be imagining that he's with me. No, there's a real conscious awareness that because I'm listening to his voice, I'm understanding what he's saying to me, and I'm walking according to his way, not my way. I'm really following him. I'm living with him. Who's going to abide in his tabernacle? Who can dwell in this holy hill? Who can be with God? Who's qualified to be a gatekeeper, doorkeeper? And more than that, a child of the Father who can go and sit on his lap and hug him. How endearing God is. But who can do that? The one who's walking uprightly. Which means... According to John 8.31, the one who abides in his word, which means according to John 14 and 15, keeps his commandments. The same John in his epistle later on in the New Testament says, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's delightful. It's not a burden. When the Lord says, forgive that person, it's a delight for the child of God who understands my father speaking to me so that I don't get hurt and others don't get hurt. I have to forgive Bitterness is not a good way to live. It will destroy me and others. The Bible speaks of a root of bitterness, like a seed that's planted in the ground. And a root develops a whole root system. And the product, the yield, is not going to be good things at all. But on the other hand, having love and forgiving, not holding wrongs against people who may have actually done us wrong, Love keeps no record of wrong. It's a freedom. A person who cannot forgive is held hostage in a prison that only they can break out of by their submission to God's word. Abide in his word and say, Lord, you've forgiven me so much. I refuse to hold anything against anyone, Lord. You'll take care of it. God doesn't say, I'm not looking. I don't see what people did to you, but he says, I'm watching. But let me handle it. You walk like Jesus. You're my disciples indeed. I'm going to go back very quickly in the same chapter. As we heard the disciples. The ones who really believed in Jesus. They were told comforting words. That they will be given the truth. And he spoke about the Father to them. And they wondered, the ones who didn't believe, who are you? And what you're saying is very complicated. We don't believe your witness is true. The Lord says, whatever my Father taught me, I'm speaking those things. But when I'm crucified, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I'm He. The very Roman centurion, the soldier knew, this is the Son of God. Truly, this is the Son of God. He trembled. 
when he saw the earthquake and he saw different things happening, that it was all God, part of God's plan to save us from our sins. He paid the price and we are the people who benefit. And he says here in verse 29, And he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. The swallow, the sparrow, the gatekeeper, the doorkeeper, the child of God. Conscious of God's presence, what's the security and guarantee? Because I do the things that please him. Hallelujah. There's not a single person among us who can ever claim that God is with me when I'm walking in darkness because he's the light and light and darkness don't exist together. I need to find out, Lord, what is the light? Give me your word, your good word. Feed me the manna from heaven so I can eat and become the light in this world. Where I get hate, I will give love. Where people speak words of doubt, I will speak words of faith. When people complain, I will praise my Father. Hallelujah. That's the light. It's a brand new life. We embrace that. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed in Him. They received comfort. They had questions in the crowd. But then they heard the good news that this Jesus is actually intimately acquainted with God. And some of them would know that he's actually the Son of God, God the Son. We're going to conclude in a few minutes. The next verse we read a few moments ago. Then Jesus said to those who believed him, If you abide or live in my word, live in my word, blessed is the man that meditates on your law, your word, Day and night, Psalm 1 says. That's living in the Word. Meditating on His Word day and night. That person will be prosperous. That person will be blessed. That person will be the real disciples and followers of Jesus. And He said, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. Free from what? Free from everything that harasses us Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Hallelujah. He went to a woman that was literally bent over for 18 years. I wonder if she could barely look up even at people. She was bent over this terrible affliction. People would have looked at her and said, she's a cursed woman. Look at her. She can't even stand up. What a stigma associated with that. And the grief. Maybe the alienation coming to that very woman from family members. She can't go to the park with us. She can't go here and enjoy this and that. Everywhere I go, I have to go with aunt so-and-so or my sister or my mother. And people stare at me. Terrible trial equal to and maybe even exceeding the physical sore affliction of not being able to straighten up. Jesus was watching. That day he set her free. You shall know the truth and the truth 
shall make you free. Jesus said, this daughter of Abraham, these 18 years the devil has afflicted, he cast out that evil spirit that was responsible for that disease. There are diseases that come directly from the affliction of Satan himself. Jesus said that. And who's a better authority than Jesus? No one. He is the great physician. He accurately diagnoses the human condition in every area. And he mercifully and graciously gives us the remedy while pronouncing that favorable prognosis. This woman's going to be free. That's the word of faith we need to hear. Any situation we face, we need to know what God is saying. You're not met, been, meant to be in bondage. You're not meant to be a slave to this thing. I've come to set you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Family trouble. God says, I can take care of it. Hallelujah. Physical trouble in the body. The Lord says, I can take care of it. By his stripes you are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Surely he has carried our infirmities. Borne our sorrows. He's borne our infirmities. And carried our sorrows. In the Hebrew it means he's taken our sicknesses upon his body when he died on the cross. And carried our pains. On every level, Jesus is the great emancipator. You and I belong in his house. Wouldn't you do good things for your family first? Isn't that how it is? That even if somebody cares about the neighbor's child not having a pair of shoes, what if your child doesn't have a pair of shoes? Wouldn't you take care of your child? Isn't that the right thing to do you take care of your own that's your primary responsibility that's how it is with the Lord he does things for everybody in Matthew 5 it's written that he sends the sunshine and the rain the rain for the crops sunshine for comfort and light and so on to who? to the good people and the bad people God will do things for people there's a great limitation and the people are following not God and therefore thorns and thistles will continue to grow. Problems won't leave the person who is not with God. Problems will come to the person who is with God too but God will take care of them one by one. Why? Because He's the Heavenly Father. We have a relationship with Him. You should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. We often see this section here in John chapter 8 and we perceive that to mean that salvation comes to the soul as a person begins to do what? Seek God. I'm going to spend time with God. I'm going to begin to turn away from my sin. I'm going to say, Lord, save me. They'll be made free, but there is another reality within that salvation. And that is, even in our bodies, God can heal miraculously. How many of you have come to church? Some of you, a number of you, I believe every one of us, including myself, including Pastor Kerbo. The day we have to go to worship the Lord in His house, or the day we need to meet together, 
There have been times that I've had tremendous chest pain out of nowhere, seemingly. I've had shoulder pain, I've knee pain, and sometimes even a congestion in the chest. I'm thinking, but God healed me of asthma 30 plus years ago, miraculously. Chronic asthma, life-threatening asthma. I suffered with it day and night. I know he healed me. What is this? Well, it takes just but a second to know it's the Satan, the enemy of our souls who doesn't want us to go and worship God or meet with God's people or hear the truth. Why? So he can keep us step by step going backwards and take over our lives. Even those who have been hardly able to breathe. The desire was there. And God's leading was there. Others who got injured en route. How many people would have had a deadly car accident. The Lord kept them safe and brought them to the house of God, brought them to me. And they're tremendously blessed. You see, the devil can sense a lot of things. When he knows that somebody's about to be blessed, somebody's getting closer to God, he begins to let loose with all his ammunition from hell that he can possibly use. To do what? Discourage. Why should my heart be discouraged? God is with me. I'm going to overcome this thing. And other things. We've had people who all of a sudden had an appliance break. Smoke come. The devil says, oh, you can't go and worship God today. Your house is going to be set on fire. Be sensible. This, Besides, this never happened to you. Fear and doubt starts coming in. Well, if this happens this way now, what could happen next? I better stay home. I better miss that meeting with God and God's people. Then we begin to Receive God's wisdom and his divine insight that this is how the devil works. He'll cause all kinds of things to happen. Sometimes people fight. And they feel so drained from trying to hold their own, so to speak, in that conversation that turned sour. And they have this bitterness and the devil says, look at you. Look at you. You're going to go worship God in that state of mind? Stay home. God doesn't want you. Besides, besides that, when you go there, you're probably going to spread that negativity. So keep it to yourself. Oh, no, no, no. That's not the answer. The answer is, Father, I'm sorry. I got myself involved in this. Or someone who's doing the right thing and getting harassed by the enemy. Whole bunch of grievous words from someone or some group of people. And sometimes you can open your phone and Maybe open an email or text. You know who's behind that? The devil. Because it sets you in disarray. Immediately you feel a deep disturbance of peace. And if we're not trained by the Lord by spending time with Him, we won't know how to battle that. We can become overcome. We can get overcome by that. So then... We learned the strategy that certain things I won't do before I go to the house of God or before meeting. I've seen what can happen and therefore I'm going to meditate on God's word, prepare my heart. I'm going to worship my king. Hallelujah. And no one, nothing's going to stop me. Nothing's going to interfere with me. You shall know the truth. You see how that freedom has a transcendent quality to it. It's not simply that, yes, I became born again 
Yes, I belong to God's family now. But how many believers, including myself, growing up, I didn't know that God is actually able to help me with my present situation, no matter how hard or strange it seems and how sudden it came. God is a very present help in trouble. That's why I have victory today through the truth that has set me free. That nothing can stop me anymore from giving glory to my God and praising Him. I'm a human being. We're all human beings. So we are prone to be what? To be attacked. Because we haven't gone to that state of ultimate perfection, but we are called to a perfection known as maturity. You begin to train under the leadership of the Almighty God, walking with the Master, we begin to know how to handle things. Jesus told Peter, James, and John, watch and pray, otherwise you're going to fall. Strategies. So I'm going to see, okay, if this person is going to speak to me, in the past, when this person started a conversation, it could be a friend, it could be a relative, it could be an enemy, whoever it is, a colleague. Saturday night, Sunday morning, I see my mistake. When I entertain because of this warm, fuzzy feeling that I have to be a good friend to this person or a good neighbor, not understanding that's how the devil comes through the humanistic tendencies to keep me from God's presence. No more. I've learned my lesson. I'm getting stronger with the truth. I still love the person. But I know what time I need to do what. The truth shall make you free. I begin to understand it's not a paranoia, but it's a prudence to be able to know how to walk and stay clear in the freedom that God has given me. Psalm 84 is the person who's living in the presence of God. John 8.31 is that same person who's living in the presence of God, which is His Word, doing His will, having the eyes open. Listen to the answer. They answered Him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? These people were blind. They didn't know they were slaves to their own sins. And they couldn't help that woman. Think about it. The priests, the chief priests, the high priest, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, all of these people, the lawyers, the merchants, all the rulers, no one could recognize this is a daughter of Abraham with that woman with that condition of being bent over. For 18 years she was oppressed by the devil. Jesus said it's the devil that's been oppressing her. No matter what the medical community may have said, Jesus said, I'm telling you, in this case, the devil is directly causing that condition. Directly. He said, I've come to set her free today. No one else could perceive or diagnose it accurately. Neither bring the remedy. But Jesus could. And look at the blindness of these people. They've already seen miracles. Blind men seeing. Lame man walking. Invalids. But they say, but we're not like that. We're not sick. We're not in bondage. 
We know what we're doing and we don't know what you're talking about. You're going to make us free. Jesus answered them. He said, most assuredly I say to you, you think you're free. Whoever commits sin is not free. Oh, Lord. But I thought when I believed in you and I got born again according to John chapter 3, that by your own words, I'm free. Yes, even for the believer, it's possible for us to turn in the citizenship papers back to heaven. by listening to the devil when he says I want you to hate I want you to fight I want you to be jealous I want you to be angry I want you to do your own thing don't listen to God today have a break from God I mean come on seven days a week it's a bit difficult I think you need to enjoy yourself turn on that soap opera just once a week is not going to kill you is it? but if the ideas disseminated in that TV show are contrary to what my father says then it can kill my soul at that point I've become a slave if I yield to that but if I'm wise I'll say I have nothing to do with it anymore because the whole thing is a lie not only the actresses and actress, actors are creating a lie but their personal lives are a mess what do I have to do with that? Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. He's telling them, you need to have a right relationship with me. Believe in me. Believe in me. I am the one. And sometimes these people would bring up Abraham, the great patriarch, or Moses, the great lawgiver, or Jacob, like the woman at the, Samaria, uh, the well at Samaria. John chapter 4. They bring all these figures. They think that they can stump Jesus right there. Surely he's a Jew. He knows who Abraham was and Jacob was and Moses was. Nobody messes with them. But as he would say here, I'm greater than all of them. He made Abraham. Jesus here is the same God who made Abraham in his mother's womb. Some 1900 years before he was saying these words in Israel. He was the one who made Moses in Jochebed, his mother's womb. Some 1500 years before he said these statements in John chapter 8. He was the one who made Jacob in his mother's womb some 18 centuries before. He said, before these people I am them greater they gave you what they had it was limited but I'm giving you unlimited living water living bread I'm here to set you free hallelujah therefore if the son makes you free you should be free indeed take all your problems to Jesus and that's the encouragement today if he cares for the swallow a sparrow he loves his creation how much more he loves you. He loves me. How much more he's involved in our lives. He rejoices. God rejoices when he sees your face. When he sees my face. Somebody says, how is that possible? I don't feel right. 
I have tears, a valley of tears my whole life. If I really sit back, I don't get distracted with other activities and fantasy world, movies, and the texting world, and the circle of friends. And It's hard for some people to be by themselves because their conscience starts bothering them. The memories start flooding in. But David didn't have that problem because he loved to be with the one who can handle all his problems. We're going to stop right here for this morning. Are you free? Have you come to the foot of the cross and said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh God, I've brought Abraham to the table. I've brought Moses to the table, Lord. I brought Jacob to the table. I'm bringing people and things and, Lord, different people that I know they're from you and I feel like I know them, so I must know you. Lord says, I'm your Redeemer. I am your Savior. No man, no woman. No figure in history, not even the greatest saints like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, Joseph, Enoch. Not even the greatest saints like Deborah, like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus says, greater than all of them. Only I can give you life. The day these Jews would have said, we believe you're greater than Abraham. No one can speak like you do. No one can do the things that you do. They didn't do these things. And furthermore, you're saying that you can give us everlasting life. Is the claim real? Or am I missing something? Have you accepted Jesus partially? Has he become one of many avenues to heaven and security? There are people who are fixated to objects. There's a cartoon some of you may be familiar with called Charlie Brown. For many years, very popular. There's a young man there, Linus, he had a blanket with him. If I remember correctly, he had his blanket everywhere. He needed that thing. God understands. He cares. He loves us. But we come to a point when we see that Jesus is enough. My Jesus is enough. He's everything to me. I get security from him. I'm attached to him. I love him. He's my source of comfort and joy. He's my life. I'd rather be in his presence, in his courts. I will praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in you, Lord. My trust is complete. Is your trust partial? Do you feel anxious in certain areas of your life? Do you feel ambition? 
and those things are not done away with it keeps giving you peacelessness because you're still striving to get something or look good or to have a certain status or have you said at the foot of the cross I abandon everything like Paul the Apostle I can't everything but dung he said everything that I may know him the intimacy is Psalm 84 and John 8 if these people would have said we have Abraham we're not in bondage when Jesus said before Abraham was I am as we'll read later another day if they would have said I'm changing my mind about my connection to Abraham not that I'm trying to uh, deny my heritage from him he's the father of faith but a greater than Abraham is here a greater than Moses is here a greater than Jacob is here a greater than Mary is here oh God you are the one who saved me from my sins no one else and there is one mediator between God and man one middle person one intercessor one high priest plus nothing minus nothing Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life today I can heal your body do you believe me today I can do a miracle in your finances I was just talking to Pastor Kerber just last night I don't remember if actually if it's in the prayer time or in conversation but I was thanking God how many people in this church are experiencing miracles financially amazing miracles God just keeps opening doors and you know why it's a miracle he shows the contrast when others don't get it you're getting it because the Lord your God is a sun and shield he will give grace and glory that favor and victory nothing good will he withhold from those who walk uprightly with him not a care in the world my father will provide he shows the contrast when people are dying you have been raised from the deathbed. Oh, God. Your grace and your favor. Who? Not Moses. Not Abraham. No one. Jesus did it. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You should know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Are you experiencing absolute victory? That's a valid question for those who believe in an absolutely powerful, absolutely loving God. We use the word absolutely in a trite way many times. We don't understand what absolute means. We use the word awesome similarly in a manner in which it's foreign to the Bible. We need to change our vocabulary sometimes or use it in the right context. God understands. Sometimes we're used to it. It's by habit. It's not wrong to use those words. But we need to understand one thing. That when it comes to God, He's the actual fulfillment of those words. 
completely and without qualification. Totally and definitely without question, he is my savior, no one else. He is my healer. He is my healer. And he works through whatever avenue he chooses, but he's my healer. He's the one that loves me more than anyone else. It's true. It's really true. And he will enable me to come out of this situation. Praise be to God. I wish I heard this as a teenager, going from church to church and reading the Bible and commentaries and hearing Christian programs on the radio. There's always that feeling, and I knew what these people are talking about, they're not experiencing themselves. Because there's always some kind of caveat, if you will. Some kind of qualification that was untenable. I couldn't achieve it until I heard the word of faith that if you really believe God to be all he said he is, you really know the word of God and you meditate on it day and night. You know what the Lord said in John fifteen seven. He said, abide in me, live in me, my words in you, ask whatever you will, it will be done for you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. When the devil says, you're not justified in seeking impossible things from God, untenable the kind of hope you have it doesn't make any sense don't you know what the experts say don't you know what the people say what the predictions are in this world God says this I told you to look to me and me only that's when we'll see his miracles for our spirit soul and body God loves us so very dearly. He knows all our wandering days, not only physically, but within ourselves, trying different things in our lives, trying to mask the pain, mask the hurt, trying to mask the failures. Go to a new place, make new friends, new relationships, new jobs, New clothing, new hairdo. Try to make everything new, but it doesn't seem to work because not too long before things come crashing down and it's a constant struggle. When I come to the house of my God, when I come to His presence, I say, Lord, you are the one I'm looking for. I'm back to the very one who can do the impossible for me. Can God get me out of grief? He can can God get me out of worry and doubt? He can. He can turn a person who is a nervous wreck. Yes, Lord. Jesus. Into a person of praise and confidence. And faith. Hallelujah. Father in heaven, I pray that through the word that you have given. Everyone hearing the voice of God this morning. Through your word, Lord including myself, walk in victory, giving glory to you for 
all of the impossible things you've already done in our lives, Lord, we must give glory to you. Oh, it's not about me. It's about you, Lord. Oh, glory and honor be to you. Lord, I pray that you make this day wonderful. Protect your people, Lord. Prosper your people, Lord. May your love fill our hearts, Lord. May that love overcome every discouragement from Satan. Oh, hallelujah. May the faith rise within us that through my God who loves me, I'm convinced that God loves me. And even as we hear the word, those who are confessing to the Lord, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for doing this or that. Forgive me, Lord, for being away from you. Forgive me, Lord, for thinking something else about you that you're not. Lord, for either directly or indirectly blaming you for my problems. Oh, God, forgive me. I know who brings the problems is the enemy. Not you, Lord. Father, hold me in your arms. I need you, Lord. My security is you. Not any object. Not any pastime. Not any feeling. Not any person. It's you. You're the God who gives me victory over every work of the flesh through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Lord, bless your people. Help them, Lord, to go this day in the strength of the word from God. As Elijah went with the strength that came from the meal given by the angel. And he outran the chariot. Strength of that. Lord God, may your word give your people strength to be more than conquerors. Through love. Through love. Through love. Through the one who loved us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, I'm free. Are you free today? Are you free? I used to be dependent upon asthma medication day and night. I'm free today by the grace of Jesus. By the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. I used to look to sports for a sense of achievement and accomplishment, individual sports. I used to look for acceptance by trying to make people happy. After all, it was all about me, wasn't it? Till I took a good look at the face of the Lord Jesus and I saw grace and glory comes from Him. I don't have to worry about me anymore. I'm too wrapped up in his love and he'll take good care of me. I want that same experience for others. Are you free this morning from fear? For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's the word of God. The word of God will dispel every demonic feeling of helplessness and hopelessness. God is on this scene. Through God I shall do valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. Hallelujah. If everything were taken away from you today, 
God find integrity in you, that you have a living relationship with Him, and you'll be absolutely complete in Christ. That the idea has hit home, the truth has been embraced, that this life that I live on this planet, whether it's 30 years, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, or even 104, like some people we've heard about, and at least one we've met, but 102, 103 years old, that it's just a vapor. Our real existence is going to be with God Almighty. And He will give us a new body, a glorified body. That reality becomes more and more our meditation. We'll experience greater freedom more and more. Psalm 84 says they go from strength to strength. In the New Testament we know from faith to faith, from glory to glory. There is no mountain too tall There's no sorrow too deep. But God cannot solve, cannot soothe. No problem. He turns the valley of tears into a spring. He turns it to a place teeming with life where there was death. Hallelujah. He will carry you. He cares for the little birds. How much more will he not care for you? There is no storm too big. God cannot solve it. There is no mountain too tall. God cannot move it. There is no storm too dark. God cannot calm it. There is no sorrow too deep. He cannot soothe it. Oh, if he carry the weight of the world upon his shoulders. I know, my brother, that he will carry you. Imagine going to prisons and saying that. People were incarcerated. They're at their lowest point. You able to tell them? Jesus can carry the weight of your burden. He can set you free. Oh, if he carry the weight of the world upon his shoulders, I know, my sister, that he will carry you. The emotional pain, the physical pain, tremendous. We can't bear it. God says, I'm there. I'll never give you something you cannot bear because I'm there to help you. He said, come unto me, all who are weary 
and I will give you rest. He said, Come unto me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Hallelujah. I'd like you to pray. The Lord has spoken to you. He's doing a deeper work in you. I know He is. Go ahead and praise God. Pray.